What's up, guys? Episode 67 of the Hellabass Bass Fishing Podcast. Today, we're sitting out with Casey and Lyle from Bass Bro Outdoors. We're talking all things pre-spawn bass, hummingbird electronics. And don't worry, even if you don't use hummingbird electronics, I'm sure there are things you can learn that will transfer to the electronics you use. Lots of information in this one. Enjoy the episode. This week, the Hell of Ass Bass Fishing Podcast is brought to you by Arsenal Fishing. Arsenal Fishing offers premium custom-made performance apparel and tackle. Arsenal delivers a wide variety of custom-designed baits, accessories, and tools, along with unique utilitarian apparel for all outdoor enthusiasts. As part of their support, you can use code HELLABASS15 to save 15% on all purchases at arsenalfishing.com to support the show. Now let's get back to helping you catch more bass and suck less. All right, we're live. What's up, Casey? What's up, Lyle? Hey, what, bud? <clears throat> is, it, you got ice? is it even ice out up there where you guys are at? Or <laughs> Not till July. Nice. <laughs> it's been cold the last few weeks, man. Yeah, we got, I mean, we had a pretty early ice off, and it looked like it was going to be like, oh, man, it's going to be crazy early, and then things really chilled off here in Minnesota the last couple weeks. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Spring is always a tease. be crazy already, especially North Dakota, South Dakota, but uh, it just hasn't warmed up yet. Water's yeah. still too cold. Yeah, for sure. But uh, I don't know. Shouldn't like this. I, I kind of like it. We got cold last weekend. And uh, I thought, oh man, this was be temporary. And like, I was like, you got two weeks before my first tournament. Like, it'll it'll be a nice little. And like, it's just been stuck at like forty to fifty. Like, yeah. <clears throat> well, we can't pop. Uh, what's up, Darius? We got a few people showing up. Uh, love to hear what. Is, how's the sound? How's the video for everybody uh, in the chat? Let us know. Make sure we don't have any problems this week, and uh, and then we'll get rolling here. Um. So. I guess before we get into it, I just want to make sure I don't always forget. I just want to thank the guys from Arsenal Fishing uh, for supporting the stream. Uh, can't do it without those guys. It makes the content a lot better. Uh, you'll, I'll put a code up later, Hellabass15. You can use it at Arsenal Fishing for uh, some sweet apparel, braid scissors, accessories, tube, wacky tube stuff. We've talked about it before, but uh, make sure you guys support those and you guys can support the stream and just get fishing stuff that you'd probably already buy anyways. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, people are rolling in now. What's up, Cam? What's up, Mark? Uh, Backlash Pro, good to see you guys. Tyler Darrow, yeah, all right, sounds good. We had a little bit of a little stumble, uh, when you guys first started talking, but hopefully it's smoothed out now. So, all right, so Casey and Lyle from Bass Brawl Outdoors, what does that even mean, and where did it come from? <laughs> <laughs> we like to fight the fish, so. whose idea like uh was it to to name i don't know kind of your partnership like your teamwork Uh, 2012 i just wanted to start a tournament trail up here because there's not a lot to fish and it started off as a tournament trail but then we kind of went off from that and went more media 
So that's kind of where we're at right now. Mm -hmm. So sure. Yeah. So yeah, we we stopped running the tournaments and just pretty much focus on fishing other people's tournaments and media stuff. Shoot a lot of video. It's been working out pretty good. So. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So you guys, uh, kind of similar to to me kind of been dabbling in the content creation for a while. Uh, so you guys do have a YouTube channel called Bass Brawl Outdoors. I think there's a link down in the description below. Um, a lot of, uh, I don't know, just want to summarize it for people. If you like content, I mean, there's there's a variety of content, but I would say if there was a niche for you guys, it would be offshore fishing and hummingbird electronics. Like that's probably the focus of your channel. Is that fair? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. yeah. I mean, there's some good old fashioned like jig flipping, cattail busting videos on there too, but most of it's uh, you know hummingbird based and, and offshore. Most of the cattail stuff is from previous years, and then mm-hmm. as we into electronics over these last five, <coughs> it's a lot of electronic videos. So yeah, sure, that's our passion. So, mm-hmm. so you you feel like as like in the last handful of years, you guys have really like grown with the electronics, and that's kind of turned into a passion or a strength whereas maybe before that it wasn't really your deal yeah i mean i'm a lot older than lyle so i mean i grew up without electronics i mean there wasn't options really and then um yeah and when when i started my first boat i bought came with uh an 1197 so the first boat i had came with side imaging so i started with side imaging and I, i started offshore fishing right away Sure. Uh, I wouldn't say I was good at it back then, but um, I started. And when we met each other, it was instant yeah. buddies because I'm like, holy, that guy's got electronics decked on his boat like me. Yeah. And then he looked at me and I was like, boom. Yeah. <laughs> Since then, then we fished together. So yeah. I'm a little, <clears throat> a little more Casey's age. I think my first bass boat had front and back bottom line flashers on them. <clears throat> And it was a big deal when I put an LMS 522 uh, on my boat for the first time. <laughs> yep, yep, <laughs> yep. Yeah. I saw that first that advertisement for, for side imaging, and it was that's history. I mean, oh, yeah. 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 <clears throat> cool. So where, I, I don't know, I know where you guys live. Where, where are you guys at for the people tuning in? We're in Barnesville, Minnesota, not Burnsville, and we're about 20 miles southeast of Moorhead, Fargo, Moorhead. So, mm-hmm. left side of the state, right in the center, right next to North Dakota, South Dakota border, right Big, next to Ottertail County Lakes. Yes, yep. yep. Most the majority of the lakes we fish around home are Ottertail County, Becker County, so Fergus Falls, Detroit Lakes, up to Park Rapids. And then North Dakota, South Dakota. Sure. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. 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 Caleb wants to hear you say Minnesota one more time. Minnesota. Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, Eric? Good to see you on here. Eric can join the stream now that uh, snowboarding season is over, so we appreciate that. Sure, <laughs> so, yeah, you guys are in an area that's, like, flush with lakes. Uh, uh, tons of good fish, and I actually used to. My, I actually have cousins that live up in the uh, the Fergus area. Mm-hmm. So when I was younger, we used to go up there and fish like Swan Lake and, mm-hmm. and some of those lakes quite a bit as a kid. And actually, my uncle I think still lives on Swan Lake. 
big swan. But that's I just remember I grew up fishing. When I first got my license, I head from the farm to Swan Lake. And what's funny is I haven't really been there in the last 12 to 15 years, but I fished it all the time before that. So, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I just remember the fishing being really good. I mean, like back then, like Bill scented worms, we crushed them on. Uh, like when Guido bugs first came out, we would crush them on Guido, but like, <laughs> it was like, if you wanted to go up and build confidence, our summer trip up to Fergus, like them fish were always chewing up there. It seemed like yeah. the first day Kmart stocked the slug goal. The first day I saw that in the store, that was the bait on Swan Lake. Like it just killed the fish. So. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. I remember that. And then not too long after that power slugs were the deal. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, very cool. Um, so I guess like we talked about this, a lot of your guys' videos are around. Actually, before we get into that, one like if you guys haven't set, like if you play fantasy fishing and you haven't set your lineup, tonight's the night. So like for all you guys watching that play fantasy fishing, this is your reminder so you don't forget to get your lineups for Lake Fork. And I think Bass Live is going to be crazy this week. Do you guys watch Bass Live? Follow the tournaments. Yeah, yeah. What's I? I'm a mechanic for a day job, um, so you know I fix some cars all day. I put in my headphones and I listen to it all day, which is sure awesome. So works out pretty good. So I, I catch I catch all of them on Thursday, Fridays for sure. Mm -hmm. Weekends I don't always get it all in, but. Yeah, if it's terrible weather, I might catch them on the weekends. But if it's nice out, I'm probably going to be on the lake. Yeah, true. Yep. Yep. For sure. And I think th this week should be a really good mix of, like, there's going to be some guys up bed fishing. There's going to be some guys just fishing shallow power fishing. But there will be some guys that are will be getting on those first post-pond fish and leveraging electronics in some probably creative ways, I think. So, mm -hmm. That in Lake Murray, I think if you guys follow pro fishing, you'll you'll see people leveraging electronics uh, quite a bit. Yeah, Sycamore says the six, six number sixty one perch colored sluggo. <clears throat> I don't remember that one back in no, the. I don't know either. Uh, up Minnesota, the fisher you could just use black. That's the only color you need yeah. up here. <laughs> yeah, black. Good old black power slug. I even have pink ones. Mm. So. Wow. Uh, so we're talking about that. So like, and you guys have known for, I don't know, catching some big smallies. I don't know if you saw that. Anybody didn't see the thumbnail. Uh, you guys have known for sneaking out early in the season and catching some giant pre-spawn smallies. And I don't know, what, what's your, what's your PB small again, Lyle? Uh, seven, three, seven, three. That is the South Dakota state record. Yeah. yeah. And I netted it. <laughs> is that your, that's your main claim to fame, is that you netted a state record? Yeah. I should have both flipped it. But every time we watched the video, I did a perfect job on the nets. So, yeah. you know, it's history. So. The next one I'll both flip. <laughs> yeah. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine, though, like if you had decided to boat flip it and something went wrong and you – watch that jig head hook open up or something and just watch it like, like, hmm. I think it would have been stuck on yeah. top because it was so fat. It couldn't, it was like a balloon. So yeah. I think I would have had time to go down and grab it. So yeah, that won't happen. 
So maybe give a little, maybe like there's a really great video where you guys like break down like for, I don't remember, 10 or 20 minutes, the the saga. Give us the 30 second version of uh, that fish story. Um, I caught the first five fish. Lyle was upset. He took the A-rig, chucked it. <laughs> first cast, sets the hook. We net it. It's a balloon. Yeah. We took it to weigh it. The fish was still alive. Um, we know it was still So that was um, And that's the story. Yeah, it was <laughs> pretty cool experience. I mean, where, what's the date today? April 21st. That's what I was wondering yeah, so what time of year. So that would have been seven years ago? Six? Six. It was the 21st or the 22nd. We caught yeah, six, six or seven years ago. So today, today, either today or tomorrow is the anniversary for that six or seven, six years ago, I think. Yeah. But I should go fishing tomorrow. And that was part of a, that was our biggest bag ever. We had 30.94 pounds for five. And that was only fishing for like three hours at the most because we spent a long time taking care of that fish and getting yeah. it weighed, yeah. getting it released. And then when we got back, the bite was over. So we gave up an unbelievable bite right away for that, mm-hmm. which was worth it. But they were going. For sure. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> And so yeah, I was gonna say that's this time of year. And it, it, it's, are you kind of surprised it hasn't been broken since then? Um, yeah, I'm surprised he hasn't broken it. <laughs> he spent tried. About, he I spent tried about really hard. Forty-seven thousand trips that year. After that, I had to settle for two six thirteens, and that's where I topped yeah. out at. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. They just they just aren't getting as big as they were back then in that lake anymore. You think it's just we're just on the wrong cycle for that lake? Well, I mean, they it, just, got, it got pounded. It got pounded. Guys, lots of every, guys keeping on. Everybody and their mother was keeping six pounders to put on the wall. Um, so a small lake like that, you take just from what we know of that year. They, some people took ten six pounders. Oof. Big groups came up from other states, yeah. and that yeah. was their goal is to take home a mounter for each person in the group. Yeah. So, um, when yeah. you're on beds and you do that, it's uh, it's not good. So, yeah. So even in 2013, people don't know what a replica was. Right. Right. <laughs> or 14, or 15, or 16. Yeah. Or last year. I still haven't found somebody that can make me a replica of that fish. I might have found a guy now, but. Um, yeah, six years later, I still haven't found anybody who can make that replica for me. Just to get it correct? To make it look right. To make it look right, because it was super short, but super fat. So, so what, what were the dimensions of that smallie? This is a little over 19 inches long, and then just a hair under 19 inches round. So, this is like a basketball. <laughs> We got, I was just thinking, I got to, like, since we're talking about it, I have to, like, bring the picture up. Pretty sure this is it. Oh, yeah, we yeah. like seeing that. Yeah, we'll see it again. Is this the right one? April 23rd, 2016, unless that's an anniversary picture. Yeah, that sounds right. That sounds right. 2016. What year is it? So 2016. 16? No. Yeah, that's right. 
right. It was 16, so it would have been five years ago, I guess. All right, so Simon, you want to see the fish. Here we go. Probably should have been more prepared for this. It's worth the wait. Oof. My screen kind of locked up. Hopefully it's not. All right. Does that look like the one? Yep. Yep. You got the other one where it shows the belly. Yeah. Settle down, Casey. Come on. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. So when he said it was round, there's the belly Ooh. shot. Yep. Take that in. Screenshot it. Mm. Screenshot what? that. One Photoshop your face and send it to your buddies. One thing you don't see on the video when we showed that is when Lyle set the hook and it first showed on top, I could hear him whisper, that's the state record. And it was a state yeah, record. Yeah. Like, that was yeah, so they, cool. Like, it had the A-rig in its mouth, and it, it porpoises and tries to jump out of the water in, like, 50-degree water. I don't know why I was sure. trying to jump, but it comes out of the water, and all you saw was that belly hit the top of the water and it was, you know, the belly was this wide. So right, right then, you know, it was an absolute giant. And I knew it was yeah. big, but when it hit the deck in that video and then it turned sideways and we saw that belly, like yeah. I've never, I knew before I put on the scale, like he just went to the back deck just to, to let me weigh it. So this, you know, and yeah. I knew right away. I mean, yeah, I've never seen a fat a fish that fat. No, like, I don't know if I ever will again. So, so you guys like obviously that lake got torched, but are there other lakes that you're you're prospecting that you think have any potential? I mean, obviously you're not going to tell me the name of it, but I mean, like, what is the? Are you guys still hunting for that type of fish? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we're always searching. It's not easy. Um, we spend we spend a ton of days on lakes that suck to. Yeah. figure out that they suck <laughs> you know but the weird thing about being in around minnesota wisconsin every single lake you get to these plain states north of south dakota they're they don't they don't post stuff on the dnr website like minnesota does mm -hmm. um you have no idea if the lake has bass or you know just walleye and perch um, so it's all trial and error. In a lot of those lakes, people stocked themselves in what the sixties back, seventies. Yeah. yeah. So that's the only reason they have smallmouth in them is because people threw them in them in there themselves. You know, the DNR had nothing to do with it. Yeah. Right. And mm -hmm. now like where we caught the state record, they're um they lifted the smallmouth restrictions on it. What two years ago? I think two years. So or, you can yeah. you can you can cut the sides off of a six pounder if you want to now. And um, and there's they, guys out there pickling. They yeah, catch them to pickle. Yeah, yeah. and <laughs> they're trying to promote it as a trophy walleye lake. Is what they're trying to do. Mm -hmm. So now it's turning into a pike. Like we barely ever caught pike, and now it's turning yeah. into a bunch of small pike. I don't know if they, they put them in there or what, but 
it's crazy right now for those. So, yeah, yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to see what the lake does this season. So, yeah. So, Simon, how do you, uh, typically to get a replica of a fish, all you need to do is take its length and its girth and then get like good pictures of it, like broadside, both sides. And for a normal fish, there's basically standard models out there or, or uh, molds, I should say, that most taxidermies that are any good would have an array or they borrow them or they trade them between shops and stuff. So they, they can get you a 23-inch bass with an 18-inch girth if it's a big, large mouth or, or whatever. But And then they, they just – so they use a, a standard mold that best fits your fish, and then they paint it to make it look like your fish. <clears throat> so the painting part is – pretty easy if you get a good taxidermist they can do that um the trick with lyle's fish is that there's just no molds that look like that mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. somebody would have to kind of customize a mold and, yeah. and, and kind of create yeah. a new mold just for that fish yeah somebody would basically have to you have to find a sculptor they're literally going to make a mold out of clay or something you know or they'd have to take an existing mold and then modify yeah. it right yeah so. yeah, yeah. And that's who I've been talking to. There's some guy on Instagram. Yeah. I don't remember his name. Lawrence. Lawrence Taxidermy. Yeah, Lawrence Taxidermy. He does really nice stuff. I don't know if you follow him. His um, painting, too. Yeah, his painting. Like, I, spot I'd on. put that to anybody. He, mm-hmm. he is good. He might have time this next winter to maybe do mine. So Nice. He's just really busy. Yes, Sycamore. We do have ten thousand lakes, but they don't all have giants in them. So that's 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 the fun that we have up here is like mining for those secret gems where you can have the I don't know. Like most of our lakes are good fishing, but mm-hmm. the the fun is finding the lakes that have the exceptional fishing and 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 doing the research and and trying new stuff and and hunting and trying to tap into the lakes that don't get beat up too much. Yeah, yeah, yep. Um, yeah. We have that yep. trouble where we do a lot of media, but. It, it gets you because, I mean, we have to do it for what we're trying to do, but then people see it and then it gets busy. And so we're always looking for new stuff to stay ahead of it, but it's tough. Yeah. But, you know, I kind of get that. And like, I never like name small lakes, right? I usually don't talk no. about the lake unless it's right. like a whitefish or a river or, you know, a big lake, right? Like where it's no secret, right? Um, and honestly, if somebody can recognize the lake from the background, then they probably been there so <laughs> right like you you don't just know a lake unless you've seen it right so um yeah. now maybe they never figured out what was in there until then um and then maybe they share it with too many people once you kind of show what is in there but i don't know it's it's a double-edged sword yeah or, or you get the guy that lives in the area and then he posts the name of the lake on your picture or video yep. and then you have to delete it quick because it's like don't do that but <laughs> that happens yeah and, and the thing is like we talked about replicas and like replicas last forever like they literally will yeah. if you keep them clean and like dust them and just wipe them down every now and then they literally will look as good 20 years from now as they did day one whereas an actual yeah. skin mount fish you know, you've seen those old skin mount fish when you go into those like, you know, Wisconsin, Minnesota bars or wherever. I mean, anywhere like in the country, and they just they look terrible. Yeah, yeah, yep. they start to shrink and crack, and yeah, 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 things start to eat on them, and yeah, 
it's all weird. Yeah. Um, so a big part of that, obviously, this was an offshore fish. If you watch the video, um, what type of like? Let's just talk about. So this was obviously a pre-spawn fish. Uh, this is a lake that you guys, you know, obviously put your research in back then, and obviously it's not as good. But like, what type of stuff and how did you use electronics and mapping to like figure out? the type of area you wanted to target and what did this spot look like and how did you leverage, you know, five years ago, your electronics to, to do that? Well, the good thing is we can talk about it now because every time a boat but basically it's a Creek channel and it swings up by shore. Um, there's a big stump on the inside corner of it mm-hmm. right up on the flat. There's, big boulders and they're spread out. Um, there's three patches of gravel that have spread rock on them. And that starts from five feet and it goes out to 15 feet. Um, and now lately up on the shallow edge, there's a bunch of coontail and stuff that grows. Um, it's just, it's, it's, it's a, a textbook perfect, spot. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that lake is, is so loaded with crawfish and that's why they get so fat. Um, there's, that's their food source. That's their, food, that's their food source, and um, it's it's a perfect flat for them to pull up and gorge on that first pre-spawn push. Sure. No. Um, and our timing that day was just it was just perfect. But was like was this spot obvious on mapping, or is it something you had to find? Because a lot of these lakes that aren't real big don't have great mapping, even with Lake Master mm-hmm. or whatever you have. Right there, yeah. there's a map out now with the contour lines, but. Back um, then, there was. Back then, I don't think there was. I mean, we went out there. It was blind. We put the time in and just scanned and scanned yeah. and, and hit, scanned. Hit a, hit a lot of trees. <laughs> but there's a, there's a lot of standing timber in like 20 feet of water out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so we hit a lot of trees finding stuff. But um, yeah, we just scanned and scanned. And it's kind of cool because the water being up 20 plus feet. From where it used to be, maybe back in the, what the forties, fifties, yeah, seventies, seventies, eighties. I think it came way up. It so. came way up. Okay, you we're actually, you know, we're fishing the old shoreline, and that old shoreline. You know, you look at a shoreline on any lake, and it's a nice sandy beach, and then you see a spot where there's boulders eating away from the shoreline. Well, all those boulders that were on a, the old shoreline are now in twenty feet of water. Mm-hmm. fishing old the old shoreline but out in 20 feet yeah. um, which is pretty cool yeah. and what draws us to the lake is every single trip it's different mm-hmm. um, there's lakes around here we fish largemouth I mean you can you know after fishing them for 20 years you know the two three four spots that always produce it's whatever but mm-hmm. every time we go there it's a different depth it's a different location it's you have to you have to put it together. I mean, that's what draws us there. It's, it's yeah, a new, it's a new puzzle every time. Right. I mean, there's yeah. days in the spring, and the fall where everyone goes there and they hammer them. And it's like, wow. But 90% of the time that lake fish is so super tough. Um, it's change at all. And it does too. Yeah. yeah. But man, when it's going and you figure them out on which spots are on that day, I mean, it's no, it, it takes it takes like five minutes and you put twenty five pounds in the boat. And it just 
just like that and you start running with it around the lake and it's just every every spot that you know that is like that one where you just found those fish is on fire yeah small it's, lake it, but yeah, you can still pattern it's, the it's a small lake but you can pattern them and it's oh it's it's a good it's a good challenge it's taught us a lot yeah. about smallmouth and the way they like to move our For first four trips there we never caught a fish yep I hate to even say that, but yeah. I mean, the first trip we didn't even—I mean, not sniff one. And then uh, our fifth trip, we caught two four-pounders, and I—that felt like winning the Super Bowl. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, we got a six-pounder, and it's like okay. And then it just yeah. started clicking, and yeah. um, it makes the drive worth it for us. I mean, it's a two-hour and forty-minute trip, or no, two twenty, yeah, two twenty, and. Yeah, it's yeah. There's only lakes to put yeah. 28 pounds in, 27 pounds, 26, mm -hmm. <laughs> over and over and over. So, yeah, Caleb. I mean, they do post tournament weights from on websites and stuff around here. But a lot of these lakes that we're talking about, these are lakes that are not tournament lakes. They're small. Uh, they're not. If they do have tournaments, they're little local <clears throat> jackpot league night type stuff or club tournaments. These aren't the lakes that. We have our money tournaments and things like that on. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> well, yeah, so that was, yeah, so we're talking about Minnesota, South Dakota area. Uh, so every state outside of Minnesota, you can start. So Wisconsin, you can catch and release fish. Is South Dakota just open all the time? Yeah. Yep. Right. Yep. Iowa's open all the time, except for there's a few areas. I think the. <clears throat> Maybe the Iowa Great Lakes have a catch and release season. Maybe I'm not sure, or maybe it's just walleyes. I don't know. I think South or North Dakota is wide open as well, right? So Minnesota's yeah. the only one that now that has like a season, and we don't. It's like what May 15th, give or take, is yeah. when the catch and release season starts, and then Memorial Day weekend the 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 catch and keep season opens. And it wasn't too long ago that we had to wait all the way till Memorial Day. How many yeah. years ago did that change? Four? Five? Something like that. Yeah. <clears throat> so you you said you were throwing an A rig. <clears throat> what the what what the did you have a was it a light rig? Uh what kind of what size swim baits? What were you using? Uh that one had three baits, two dummies, and then blades on it. That was a I think it was a umbrella. Yeah, um, I don't use those ones anymore, but uh, I didn't know a whole lot about a rig fishing back then either. So, yeah, but now I pretty much hog farmers are all I use. Sure. Um, what that? What, yeah. what kind of? Were they, were they Kytex or like Mega Bass or what kind yeah, of? Those, those were those were Kytex, um, three point eights, I think, for the baited ones and then little tiny ones for the dummies they only allow three baits in south dakota and north dakota sure you can have dummy for the other two so but lyle out in south dakota he throws the minnesota rig with yeah. just one hook even though he can use three yeah. because I, that one just works so good yeah that thing pounds fish man it's awesome what about what size is the lake that we're talking about uh, 600 acres, give or take. Sure. 
It's got some big large malt, but very, very few. Mm -hmm. Yeah, our uh, average size large malt is pretty impressive out there. But you don't have to go that far to catch big large mouth. You can you can stay a little closer to home. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, Michigan and Wisconsin in the last couple of years went to a catch and release all season, which hopefully Minnesota gets on board with because I think there would be some. <clears throat> I, don't, I don't know if you, if you technically caught the state record in the catch and release season. If you could get it certified, probably couldn't. But I think you would see some absolute monster bass for our region yeah. get caught this time yeah. of year. Yeah, I mean, could you imagine going out to Mille Lacs or any of those lakes? You know, as soon as the ice comes off and find them in the wads. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one thing that I, I get frustrated because like I think that's one of the biggest things like the learning curve if you want to go fish outside of Minnesota, you can gear up here and yeah. you wait till almost the spawn to even start fishing most of the time. And I think we really like that's a an Achilles heel for a lot of Minnesota anglers when they go down south for the first time is like we don't even know how to pre spawn fish. Um you know, like jerk bait season is yeah, over. A lot, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the national tournaments you watch. Yeah, a lot of the national tournaments you watch. I would say 90% of them that try to hit the pre-spot yeah. in the, you know, the early tournaments. I mean, but no, so thank, thank goodness we have South Yeah. That's fun for a day maybe, but yeah. yeah. I'm actually going to take you guys out. Casey, and then you can re-click in. Just it's getting a little weird right now. So sometimes that fixes okay. it. All right. Yep. Yep. All right. <clears throat> Hopefully that fixes things. It's it's been kind of good, but there's just been a couple rough spots. So we just want to see if we can fix that and make the experience a little bit better. Uh, let's see here. I think. You know, keeping fish is no less prevalent up here than other parts. Uh, I mean, obviously, like, people really love to keep their walleyes up here. I don't think a ton of people keep bass up here. There are some. <clears throat> I think what they were talking about earlier was really about uh, trophy fish and people keeping them for mounts. Um, I mean, there are definitely four- and five-pound bass that get eight, but, you know, that happens down in Gunnersville and, and Rayburn and all over the country, to be honest. All right. So hopefully that uh, fixes things. It's not the regulations are antiquated. They really think it's all centered on trying to protect the spawn, which uh, honestly they miss it most of the time. <laughs> for most, I mean, like for you guys where you live, see, usually a lot of the spawn happens after. Uh, the season opens for you guys and it's hit and miss down here in the cities, honestly. Uh, so I, I think the, you know, the intent was based on old unvalidated philosophies and yeah, it just doesn't make sense. Um, but I think most of us would be fine with the catch and release season. Like I don't, I think we're, we'd be just as fine to wait till end of May uh, in June for tournaments to start, as long as we could go out and, you know, fish free and open for bass in Minnesota and, and catch and release. So absolutely, absolutely. Yep. Uh, Daniel, I don't know, but 
I'm all for it. And so I would send them an email and ask them. <laughs> uh, other people are saying YouTube's been a little wonky tonight, so maybe it's not you guys. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, have I ate a few small bass in my life? Sure. Small ones are actually not bad eating. And in some lakes, honestly, eating some small bass are good for the lake. Um, but yeah, yeah. I agree. No. eating fish over like three pounds is, is not so good for the lakes, though. Um, so there was a question. Uh, maybe uh, Logan, who's kind of one of our, he's kind of, I believe he's a high school angler. <clears throat> and uh, I don't know, what do you guys got any like high level advice on? setups for your hummingbirds and what frequencies you like to run your birds at okay since he asked about 455 or 800 oh okay it does say mega um honestly i don't even use 800 yeah. like ever i'm either 455 or mega um, if i want to go really wide on new water i'll use 455 i can spread it out wide i can if you see a rock, it's a rock. I don't care if it's Megan. You can see a crack in the rock. If it's mm -hmm. a rock, it's a rock. So um, I know some guys spend way too much time worrying about their picture. Um, it's great having a clear picture, but yeah, I, but, yeah, I mean, you, you gotta, you do have to change settings a lot for different lakes. You know, yeah. clear water, dirty water, but. If you stick around the defaults, you can pretty much see anything. Especially you know, on the newer units. Newer the units. defaults on the new ones are yeah. pretty yeah. close to what we use now. Yeah. Um, and with, like with a hummingbird, the defaults are 10 and 10. Um, go up a few notches back and forth. No, normally what I tell people is dump the boat in the water, drive by the access, where you can see, where you can see the boat, the the concrete going into the water, then pause your screen and then adjust your settings up and down, make that access look beautiful, and then you should be good for the rest of the lake. Hmm, that's a good tip. Yeah, yeah. Or just go find something like if yeah. it's a lake you already know, you know, and you know there's a hump or a rock pile or right. yeah. a brush pile, go drive where you know there is something, go look yeah. at that and then do the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the other thing too. Like if you're in a lake where you know you're looking for a lot of wood, drive by some wood and pause the screen yeah. and adjust it till that wood really pops. Then you might want to change a color or two, you know, like try a different color, maybe two different, yeah. different palettes. Yeah. 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 Um, but that's the easiest way. Just pause the screen because that image that's coming up can be adjusted however you want it. Yeah. Then the other setting is just a speed setting. Yeah. Um, the older units, we were always, I can't remember. We were always it. on with, if you're going four miles an hour, you set it to four. Yeah. But um, now with the newer ones, it doesn't quite match up like that anymore, I don't think. Right. I'm normally a mile or I'm usually a little higher, a little higher, so one or two above your speed. So you're saying like if you're driving four miles an hour, set it to five or six. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. If you had it at four, like the old unit, and same thing, drill and see what the rocks look like. You know if that speed setting's right or wrong or. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Basically, I just don't overcomplicate. I mean, you stick with those um, contrasts and sensitivity, mm-hmm. stay close to the defaults, and then check that speed, and then you're good to go. So, Sure. And when you say older well, units, are you talking about like the 8-900 series, or are you talking about older helixes, or what do you, what would you define as old? Uh, yeah. Even the old 1198s and 99s. Yeah. So basically everything pre-helix is what you're calling old. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, those still work. I mean, oh, they did. Yeah. If somebody yeah. gave me the first one they ever made, I could make it work for what I'm doing. Yeah. I mean, it's mm-hmm. nice having crystal clear, but if you're yeah. looking for weed points or rocks or anything like that, all those units catch it. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. The biggest jump from those units to the helix is the screen glare. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Honestly, the picture on the like a helix. Gen two Helix nine is not much better than a nine ninety nine. It's just the quality of the screen and the yep. uh, optics that you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then to add one more thing is your transducer. Make sure you can set it in the garage and try to level things. But if you're driving five miles an hour and your bow's sitting up on some boats, mm-hmm. you got to make sure that transducers level. Yeah. So a lot of times, if you look in the garage, like you look at mine, it actually looks like it's riding upwards but if you lift the bow up it actually is flat or pointed just a titch in front of you as you're driving so yeah leveling your transducer is really really important so that's i guess the other thing is like when you're fast idling try to have your lower unit not up because that's going to push your bow up and throw you off right but then if you have your motor down too far some boats it kind of gets in the way of shooting that both sides so there's a happy medium but yeah, I'm not saying you want it all the way down, buried, yeah, yeah. but you don't want it in the tilt area either, right, right. where it's lifting your bow. So, yeah, yeah. right. Okay. Uh, so, like, when you say scanning way out for 455, like, what distances are you typically looking at? Well, 120 is about all I go, and I know I could go further than that, but I'm just familiar. Yeah. Well, no, on Mega, I'm using around 100, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, but 455, you can go 120 pretty easy. Um, yeah, and you, and you can go up to, like, if you're on a new lake and you're strictly looking for what type of structures out there, you could go 150, 200 feet on each side. Yeah, it'll and, catch it. And see stuff. Mm-hmm. You're going to see sand patches and roll, boulder stuff, you know. Quick, easy way to break down. Yeah, so it sounds like hundred plus. That's when you start to dabble with four fifty five instead of mega. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And I like in the late late fall, right before ice up. I noticed this past year, four fifty five made those fish in that pop really good, just for how the conditions were. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's because the water was thirty eight degrees and it just looked better, but. It just made a big difference. So, hmm. so don't get set on one and then forget to go back and check the other because there's times where each one has a, a benefit. Sure. Uh, so obviously scanning, I mean, do, do you use much like down imaging or is that like, do, how? What, when you're scanning, like you're just looking at, just side scan do you like to split it up and look at a little bit of sonar or down imaging or what is a typical setup for you guys when you're like hunting or just looking for new water um usually our left 
our left console unit is map like side imaging, and then the other one is mapping with either down imaging or sonar. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and that's our hunting. I mean, that's what we have up when we're hunting stuff. Yeah. And then uh, up at the bow, we're running 360, and then again mapping and sonar. So or down imaging, whatever. So you, you both have two units in the front and two units at the bow. Yeah. Or yeah. Two at the console, two at the bow. This year we're running three units up front. So we'll be running Mega Live on one. Mega well, you 360 think, you, on you one. You think you will. Well, <laughs> we're, we're prepared. So we're hoping we will. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll have Mega 360, Mega Live, and then mapping and sonar on the other one. So. Any general tips for the 360? Yeah, same thing. Pull it to something that you you know is there. Mm-hmm. And again, get it on the screen and just start moving those settings. But the regular 360, the first version, I know a lot of times on um, sensitivity and contrast, I was up in like 14 to 17 on some of those. We're on the Mega 360. It's like default. Close. Yeah, yeah like leave it on default and barely tweak it and yeah, you're good. Yeah. And the, the nice thing about that, the Mega 362 is with the uh, the original 360, which was 455 hertz, um, to get a good picture, you had to be on that one to two speed. Um, when it was spinning around. Was, which was spinning super slow. With this Mega, you can have a beautiful picture. Yeah. Yeah. Helps you, it pans so much faster when you see fish moving. You can load, you know, if you're running down a bank fishing, you can see things pop up in front of you faster. And it looks good. You can, yeah. be, you can be driving pretty quick at the choy motor and it's spinning fast enough, it looks good. Yeah. Yep. Hmm. And the mega leaves a lot more shadows from fish on the yeah, screen. Yeah. So you don't always see the fish, but you see the shadows. Um, yep. Up front, too, I mean, we toy around with still leaving the side imaging running even though the transducer is on the back of the boat, because if you're tailing down or yeah, or spot locked, a lot of smallmouth we see, they swim by the side of the boat, and they leave such a clear picture on that mega side imaging, you know which way they're going. So because of the shape of the head and the tail on the picture going through your, even though you're not moving that side imaging, just it's sitting there. What happens is the fish swims through that and just leaves a perfect picture. Oh, sure. Like they're aiming to like last spring in one of my videos, if you watch the smallmouth video, I'm fishing on the front, I'm tailing down, and I see a big shadow next to me. I turn around, pitched a drop shot behind the boat, 20 feet off to the side, shake it, and it was a five-pound smallmouth I stuck. I mean, I would have never caught that unless I saw that shadow go by, and I knew which direction it was swimming. So, Yes, the transducer levelness thing, that's – Everything that's not specific, yeah. to bird, but that's just a general setup tip. So, yeah. no matter what you're doing, and uh, something, something I noticed on some screenshots from people lately is they ask if it's right. Not only do you want the up and down at the right angle, but I've seen some sideways like they match the angle of the boat. That that's not right either. So that's um, that's worse than being. Yeah, <laughs> you have to make level all the way around. So yeah. Um. I mean, 
I'm, I'm assuming you guys are running fairly substantial units now, but you've probably ran some smaller ones. Do you feel that like a nine versus a 12 affects how far you would scan out and how much like the detail or? Um, yes and no. I mean, if you're just looking for stuff, a lot of times that's what we're, we're not always looking for just fish. We're looking for rocks, uh, gravel patches, weeds. You can, even on a smaller screen, you can go way wide. Mm-hmm. If you see anything at all that looks different, just spin around and go dry right over it. So yeah. Or, or throw a dot on it and then go. Yeah, yeah, image, right? yeah. Having, you know, it's like a TV in your house, watching TV on a little 13 inch tube TV is not as easy as a 55 inch screen, you know? Um, but, but you can still get the, but you can still get the job done. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, might just, yeah. Um, <clears throat> Have you guys heard any updates on Mega Live? That you yeah. can speak about? <laughs> nah, not a whole lot. I mean, I keep asking. <laughs> they keep telling me they have no idea. That, have you heard? Is it like a, a, is it a sourcing issue where they can't get the stuff to build them, or is it they still working on it? I honestly, I, I, I don't think, know. I, I think, I think it's like everything else. It's hard to get parts for some cars. It's hard to get batteries for, you know, it's, it's, it could be one little tiny microchip or something, some part right. they need for it that is made in China and they can't. Or get wherever. It. I mean, it could be anywhere. Yeah. right? Yeah. I mean. <laughs> yeah. 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 So. Yeah, that's, that's my yeah. thought, but I have no, you know, no inside information. I'm just assuming that they're there's a couple components that they're stuck on. They can't get, and they can't produce enough to actually launch it. Right. Yeah. I have a feeling we'll probably see some on some boats tomorrow. That's the, that's the, I saw some rumor on some chat boards and like, yeah. uh, I know there are several, I mean, early in the year when I talked to Gussie, the pros were told at that time that they were going to have them for Knoxville. Yep. Yeah. And there was several of them that were irritated. They didn't get it for Knoxville. And now that's been, two months since then. So, I mean, I mean, one of these tournaments, they're going to start showing up magically. Yeah. 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 I, have a, I have a feeling we'll see them tomorrow. Uh, any thoughts on rough water affecting your images? Honestly, I mean, I fish in some rough stuff, unless yeah. you're on like Malax bouncing in the 40 mile an hour wind getting killed. Would I fish? I just don't see it affect me very much. No, um, no. Um, no, like I, I fish sturgeon. I fish sturgeon bay, and I mean, um, when your stuff comes out of the water, it's not going to work. Sure, right. obviously. <laughs> but but if it stays in the water, if it stays in the water. You're going to see what you need to see. Yeah, especially if you're spot locked on an yeah. offshore yeah. rock pile and you're getting beat up by the waves. As long as that's staying in the water just enough to, so you can keep pinpointing your cast. That's all mm-hmm. you need. I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, it might just catch a little bit in the bad waves, but that gives you enough to cast to it yet. Yeah. So I don't know if he's talking about specific like technology. And have you guys dabbled with any of the other forward facing stuff? A little bit. Um, but if I had to pick one and I, I mean, I've said this to anybody that's asked at three sixty, I will not fish without it. Um, um, I'm going to love mega live, but that three sixty, I can see that picture when you can see that whole picture and 
pitch your bait at a rock 30 feet away and hit it on your first cast every time, that's that's efficiency, and that's what we always preach. If you're efficient, I mean, we talk about that. We fish eight hours, and every cast for eight hours is on the exact spot. I mean, there's too many times where you – even on the 360, you yeah. see a waypoint. The waypoint's not on where you think it is. It might be 20 feet away from the rock. So if you're blind casting at that waypoint, you might hit your spot once in a while. But with the 360, it's dead on every single time. Yeah, and I, and I don't. I don't know. Like I've, I've, I've seen the live scope a little bit, and it's, it's crazy. It's good. I mean, like they, they all have their place. I honestly haven't even been in a boat with 360. Um, to me, just what I understand about them, I think to some degree, in general, the way we fish and the lakes we fish up where we, I think 360 probably has more uses. And I think maybe in other parts of the country, live scope could be more dominant than it is where we live. Do you think there's any merit to that or what are you guys' thoughts? Yeah, I mean, any any of this new forward-facing one, it helps you uh, see the fish and then figure out how to make them react you know there's fish there more. Um, it helps in that regard, but the 360 just helps because if you're fishing, like we fish three separate rocks and you can see them all on the screen. I mean, you don't have to turn your motor, you don't have to do anything. It's just showing you that picture. Right. You pick them apart. I mean, you just don't miss anything. Weed clumps, coontail clumps. clumps. Yeah. 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 And we don't always, a lot of people are like, well, do you see a lot of fish? Yeah, we see some fish, but Man, if you're setting yourself up on those key spot on the spots, that's the fish's home. I mean, right. if they're not right on it, they're they're close. I mean, if you're putting your bait on those sweet spots all day, it pays off. I mean, mm-hmm. I used to fish all deep. I remember I would I would give up because I was I'd go out there and I was just like, I don't know what I'm casting at. Yeah, you have a waypoint, but mm-hmm. it was hard. I feel better out deep right now than I ever felt up shallow. And I mean, I was a bank beater for 15 years. I never had electronics. Yeah, it's it's like you're up in the shallows in clear water, and you can picture to everything. It's the same. It's the same thing, but out 15, 20 feet of water. Yeah, you feel confident that you can throw right to that tree, right to that boulder, right to that smallmouth bed. We catch a bunch of yeah. 15 to 17 feet of water. Yep. I mean, yeah. you have to have your bait on the fish to get it to bite, and there's no way on some of those with, without a 360. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you're going to see that or know it, but it's fish on fish shallow and clear water. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, I lost the the questions here. <laughs> Uh, let's see here. This guy says he's got the Mega Live on order. I don't know if that's possible or not. You, you pair those up like that. I can't wait because you put those together. It's not, it's going to be unbelievable. So I have uh so I, this, this off season, I got a, a Helix 10 gen four. So that should be capable of anything uh, that's mm-hmm. coming out. And I do have a mega three sixty on order. Uh, but I'm just yeah. gonna be running, balling on a budget. I'm gonna be going single screen up front. So yep, you're good. Yeah. You can do it. It's all you need. Yep, you can do it. It's all you need to stare at that circle. I just I just sold my 958 that I had ran for the past uh, seven years. 
on the yeah. front of my boat. Yeah. <laughs> I guess one other tip for the 360 we do is we set the ring ranges on there. So yep. if you have a lot of our casts were around 60 feet or whatever, you know, whatever yeah. it is. So um, you just have that stuff to help. I guess that's more on your side imaging. So you scan, you pull up to your spot, you don't run your stuff over. We set at 60 to 120. So when we pull up to a spot, we're 120 feet from it. Mm -hmm. And then we get up on a Troy motor, do the rest of the mm -hmm. the 60 feet and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't waste time. But that's also a thing you can do with your mapping, right? You can set the rings on your mapping yeah, as well. Yeah. A good tip, even if you don't have 360, you should be setting your, your rings on your, your mapping. Right, yeah. Uh, do you guys rig your own boats? Do you have somebody else do it? Yep, we take pride yeah, in doing we, our rigging. Um, we do we do all our own stuff. Yeah. yeah. So do you guys use harnesses, or are you just running your own wires? We do our own stuff with our own wires. Yeah, yeah, we run you know bolt shielded ten gauge wires for everything. Um, like I I didn't when I ordered my Phoenix, I didn't order it with their wiring package. Um, I basically wired the whole thing myself mm -hmm. um all the graphs i have my own fuse panel i made and, um it's it's nice to do it that way because you're familiar you know where everything is you know what every fuse does it's if you ever need to fix anything it makes it quick and easy yeah from what i understand these harnesses are just a convenience thing i don't think yeah. you're going to get any better quality uh, if you know what you're doing with good shielded 10 gauge wire and you do your connections, right. right. You should be good. hundred yeah, percent. I agree. Yeah. For, for, especially for people that really don't hook battery up to your unit, you're done. That's right. It's, it's great simplicity. For aren't, yeah. Aren't yeah. comfortable doing the wiring yeah. or that. That's a great option. So yeah, it is. And they make it easy to split multiple units at the end. Right. I think they have like, some connections that make that really easy. So, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So like convenience, speed, take the hassle out of it. It's a decent yep. option. But uh, awesome. if, if you want the same thing for a little cheaper, then you're better off running it on your own. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Sounds like the choppiness is only on your end. So tell the Barnesville School District to get their stuff together. Yeah. Um, <laughs> All right, Taylor, on the Helix units, I have a 360. And I want the front view like Solix where you can still see the back but focuses on the front. Is that possible? That's like the zoom-in feature, I think. Um, I guess I don't get where you can see the back but still focuses on the front. I know when I run my 360, I pick the front view so I don't worry about the back. I know on my Solix, yeah. I can pick it so it just shows the back. Because if we're on the, if we go jump on the back deck, we change the console one to three sixty view, make it show mm -hmm. the back half, so Somebody it's what's under us. Back, or, yeah. yeah, sure. Um, so Taylor, if, if I didn't answer that quite right, if you can word it a little bit different, I'll gladly try to help you. Yeah, or send us a message. Um, I don't think you guys run live scope, right? No. Nope. Uh, Taylor says he runs Panoptics and 360, which is obviously, I mean, coming into this year, that was the only option. I think there's, I mean, honestly, if 
I'm guessing you guys probably would have that if you weren't waiting on Mega Live. So, <laughs> uh, Chad says that was the answer he was looking for. Good. Does forward-facing sour make you catch more fish or see more fish that have always been there but never bite, so you waste more time? Fair question. I think it's a bit of – it's both, honestly. From what I mean, I've only spent like one full day with uh, the Garmin live scope, and we definitely caught fish that we wouldn't have caught because we panned out and we wouldn't have casted where we casted and caught fish. But we also spend time fishing for fish that never bit that we also, so, I mean, it is both. And I think I, it's honestly like learning how to bed fish and learning to understand how fish are reacting and which fish are catchable and which ones aren't. And it's just like idling ledges on Kentucky Lake and how they set up and are they high in the water? Are they low? Are they bunched up? Are they spread out? And when you get good at it and you do it enough, you learn which fish are, catchable and which ones are worth one cast and which ones are worth five casts right Right. Um, i think that's going to be a learning curve and because honestly that's what most of the pros have for front-facing sonar and it's the same 10 that are cashing in on it right so (laughs) they've obviously figured out something uh with that that a lot of guys haven't and i think that's what's going to separate people and whether we're talking mega 360 cyan imaging down imaging front facing live this if you sucked at fishing before 10,000 electronics is not going to make you a good fisherman all of a sudden (laughs) 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 hate to be the bad bearer of bad news but like you still have to know how to fish and interpret fish and see and react to their behavior and make decisions and all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. so um right what yep and based off that question right there too the more you use it and the more confident you get, you know pretty quick if, if you're wasting time or if you should just keep jumping. Yeah. So yeah. Um, we're just so used to it. I mean, it's we we pulled up on our spots before, and seriously, after two casts, we look at each other, and it's like, boom, off to the next one. And yep. we would have never done that without back in the olden days. I mean, we would have sat there for a half hour casting, trying different baits or whatever, but we can tell with our electronics – real quick if it's worth it or not so right um, so you guys do your rigging so and i think this is you know so like first rule never tap into the boat power i always run dedicated leads but when you're running multiple units at the council or the bow are you running one 10 gauge home run and then splitting it or are you running a home run for each unit on my boat i've done it both ways yeah um I have a heavy gauge running to a fuse block, and then I have my three units go into that block, and they're all fused. I've used three units for two or three years. I've never had my, I've never had power issues, so that's working for me. Yeah. Yeah. As long as you have a heavy gauge to that fuse block. Yeah. So Some yeah. of the boats you see, my older boats, they'd run light wire to the console. Yeah. A small little block, and everything's plugged into it. That's not going to work. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. So you can run multiple units off the same home run if it's a good quality wire. Yeah. Yeah. And it's basically, it's trolley motor wire size going yep. to the fuse panel. Yep. 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 Because yep. the fuse panel is coming up to about the console. Mm-hmm. And, right uh, in front of it. Yep. And then you have 10 gauge going off of that to the units. He says he's got the first Mega Live on order from his local BPS. 
Cool. Lucky guy. <laughs> yeah. He must know somebody. Front unit Gen 4 with 360. I get side imaging on. Is that coming from the back unit or is a 360 doing the side imaging? Um, it could be either. Yep. You can make the 360 into a side imaging transducer. But if so you, you have just, a to that, you're not going to see 360. Um, in the settings, it's telling you, you go to your site imaging, you can pick pick which transducer is showing that. Yeah, you got to go into your network and go into the list of options and see which one's selected to know what you're seeing. Yeah. Yep. And Marty, if you don't know where that is, I can send you a picture of it. <laughs> Uh, what's up, Sean? Let's see. Brand new Helix 10 DI doesn't show down using front, but also my Helix 12 console is not displaying either. Networking issue or bad transducers pulling his hair out? Um, is there, I would maybe try taking your 12 from the console, moving it up to the front, plugging stuff in seeing if it works on either one of the units. Um, also, maybe just in the settings. Assuming sure you do have, I guess, maybe we shouldn't assume, but you do have DI transducers hooked up. I guess maybe, right. I mean, maybe that seems like a simple question, but like, um, like if you're plugging into your trolling motor, right, and using the like... US2. The US2 or something like that, that's not going to have down imaging. So, I mean, right. I don't... So make sure you have, I mean, obviously if you have, uh, you know, your back transducer, right? Hopefully that's a DI or a SI externally mounted. Uh, obviously make sure that that is externally mounted on your boat because if for some reason they tried to put it inside the hull, that wouldn't work for down imaging. <laughs> if um, the Helix 12 at the console doesn't show SI. Um, again, I would pull the 10 back to the console and plug the, the SI cable right into that 10 and see if it shows mm -hmm. just start ruling things out you know um if it doesn't work on either graph it's not the graph more than like yeah the other thing i would say oh. is if you've got a buddy that's got a boat that's rigged properly and you right. can just pull your unit your head unit on and right. pop it on theirs then that's something you can rule out on your head unit right that would be a 100 percent right. way to rule out um it could be a networking issue uh, I know I've been updating some software on my units because they weren't talking to each other as well as I wanted them to. Like I wasn't seeing my back unit from my front unit. Yep. So I just recently updated my software. Um, that'd be another thing is maybe just up, go to hummingbird and download the, the latest software and refresh the software. Easy. That could be a good thing to try. Yeah. Yep. Make sure you, your units are all on the same version of software. Um, if Caleb's stuff worked before and now it doesn't, that maybe could lead us a different direction than if it's if it's never worked before. Right, especially since he says my new Helix 10 doesn't show. So is that 12 older? So maybe that new 10 has the new doesn't. Yeah, I guess did, did you yeah, do the rigging or did you have somebody else do the rigging? <laughs> so that's right, right. You're forgiven, Sean. Um, Logan says, "Do you guys on your on your navigation screen on mapping? Do you guys run north up or uh, 
what's the other course yeah. or it depends on who boat we're using. No, I, I always do Oh, yeah, but I always use north up. Oh, do you? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's weird. Yep. So I'm north <laughs> up. He's course up. Yeah, I do course up unless unless I'm on big water. Like if I'm on Sturgeon Bay or Malax or somewhere really bumpy, that that compass does not work very well when you're doing this. Sure. Yeah. I prefer I prefer to have it running on my course, not on my um not north and that also assumes that i'm running a directional heading sensor on my puck so that i'm not spinning yeah yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. i assume you guys both run the directional gps yeah. antennas yeah i guess yeah. that's one thing that, like i i preach and i said before is like that is probably the best 200 you're going to spend for fishing yeah. offshore even beyond 360 and all that stuff without that like you never know where your boat's correctly lined up right. on mapping. Like, right. and you're that goes back to that, what you guys are preaching before about efficiency. So, step one, make sure you have the directional heading sensor antenna externally mounted to your front graph. Uh, you're going to become a much better offshore fisherman with that. Yeah. Yeah. And basically, for you guys who don't know what that does, it basically you mount it, it's got a little arrow, and you put it off the bow of your boat. So, when your bow turns, that line turns, and you'll know when you're pointed right at that brush pile or if it's at two o'clock or, and the, the difference is with your internal GPS or the old external GPSs or the ones that come with them, your boat spinning is not accommodated. If you're not moving, you don't know which way you're pointed. So that's, that's why that's a big deal. With 360, we lower cast anyway. Yeah. <laughs> up front, the 360 does that. That yeah. just takes care of it. But if you're scanning, I hate seeing my boat driving kitty corner on the map sideways. sideways. <laughs> sure. What's up, Gabe? Uh... And I don't know if anybody has battery questions, but we're, with all of our stuff running, we're running 225 amp hour batteries in parallel. Mm -hmm. So we have 250 amp hours to run our stuff. So um, I've heard guys say you don't need to go post five you in a 360 live wells, whatever. Um, if you're going to fish a full day using all that power, you need it. So last year I never so had a day right fish. You say you were you run a dedicated battery for electronics. No, we run two 125 amp hours tied together, so it's parallel. So it's in one. parallel. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Those ionics. Yeah, they're they're lithium. Okay, ionic. lithium. Yeah. And those are those are rated to start your outboard too, so that's an important thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not all lithiums are made to turn over a big outboard, so. I assume you guys are both running an in-haul 2D, right? Yeah. Yep, that goes to a Y cable, then it just splits. Yep. You speed up, it switches that through hull. Yep. Yep. Or if you have two units, you don't need the Y cable technically either. You can just right. share it. Yeah. So Correct. Yeah. If, if you have the Ethernet box, you can just run 2D to one graph and side imaging to the other and then just right. yeah. have them share. So, yep. Yep. but yeah, if you can't see when you're running and you just have a down imaging or a side imaging puck on the back of your boat, you won't see anything when you're running. No. 
do you need a heading sensor to run your 360? Or is there a benefit? Uh, do they work together? They do work together. And it's it's for the it's for when you have waypoints overlaying the screen. Yep. That way it knows where to lay those waypoints on the screen. Yep, that's what I've heard as well. If you want the waypoints laid on top of your 360, you need the directional. Yeah, yep. He says he's got, I think Caleb was the one before, two Gen 4 Mega DI and Mega 360 Gen 4 12 Mega SI. Hmm. So I assume you have a, with three units that you have a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> Uh, you need you need the network hub if you have that many units. So I don't know if yeah. you do. And make sure that hub is powered good too. Um, I remember one year on one of my boats that was running off on my Ranger. Actually, they didn't have that wired very good from the factory, and the stuff wasn't getting power right. And that makes a that can make an issue. Mm -hmm. um, not always, but I would check that just to make sure. Um, sure, yeah, because that does have its own power source that has to be fed yep yep and then make sure that all those gen fours are all the same version um software software yeah mm -hmm. which so if you go in is like you go into do you have to like go into the preset menu to see the where do you find the software version on the unit do you know uh, um, on the solix it's in the settings under network or i think network and yep. then you can go to system or yep. it's the top one inside the network setting part oh it's never worked okay. um, well i guess if it's yeah, one month old i'd be screaming at my dealership <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah if it's, something's not configured right probably in the right in the head units themselves so if you want side imaging to work on your left console unit make sure you go in there and make sure it's picked but it sounds like it's not even working like his front unit's not even working with his front. Right. But yeah. I guess. I'd, honestly, I'd have to look at it. <laughs> yeah. <Make laughs> to sure to start ruling things out. Because yeah. um, he should be able to go to network and make sure all those units are showing up just in there, that they all got an IP address mm -hmm. and they're all... They're yeah. all so, I mean, you need to make sure you have a hub. You need to make sure that hub's powered. Um. You could try testing your units on a buddy's boat that does work to make sure the head units are work. You can check the software versions. Make sure you have the right transducers. Don't assume maybe that they hooked up the right transducers if they right. did it. Right. You know, maybe they didn't even put a down imaging unit on the front of your boat. I don't know. So there's a lot of things to check off, I guess, at a high level. Yeah. Um, Kyle, we've been talking a lot about hummingbirds and offshore fishing and giant smallmouth. Um, if you're mounting... Two Gen 2 7-inch helix units with down and side image scan would use the same 10-gauge wire they mentioned. Yes. Yeah, if you want to take your... If you want to do it so you don't have to worry about it, mm -hmm. do it with heavy-gauge wire, do it the right way, and once you do it, you're done. Um, yeah. And I guess when you say two, are you talking like two at the bow or one at the bow? I would run I would run, run wire to your council and one to your bow, and yep. then you should be good. Yeah, yeah. Puck in the front or council doesn't matter. I think, <laughs> I don't know, I think your puck should be right next to your trolling motor, like as close as you can get it without causing any interference for the bow. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think my, I have, so 
and let me tell if you guys agree with this. I have two pucks. I have my directional puck up front. It's right where I stand within two feet of my trolling motor because that's where I want to know where my arrow's pointed. Yep. And that tells me where I'm at, and that gives me the best chance to cast to a waypoint, whether it's on my 360 or on my mapping. That's where you want to be for the most accuracy. Yep. Right? And then I have an external puck in the back that's as close to my splash well as I can get it, so it's as close to my rear transducer as I can get it. Yeah. yeah. And and I agree with that. Um, it's just things because your waypoint can be off. It doesn't matter because on your 360, you, you see the rock or whatever you're throwing to. Mm-hmm, right. It, it kind of – it takes that casting the waypoint out of the equation, like right. I, I do the same thing you do. I, I have a I have a heading sensor puck up front, right by me, by the trolling motor, and then I also have one in the back. And then with the Solix units, you can share that heading. So you really sure. only need one heading sensor in the boat with, with, when you have Solixes linked together. I'm mm-hmm. not 100 sure on the helixes. Because you can share that heading with all of the other units. Yeah, um, and I would say, I mean, a heading sensor in in the back is nice, but I don't. I think it's less important than yeah. it is up front. Like if you only were going to get one, I'd put it in the front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you should be able to share that heading with all the sure. other units too. So, I mean, if you don't do that, let's say you do have one external GPS and you put it at the council or you put it in the back, yeah. and like what what Casey was saying, you get up on your bow and you do have your gps overlay what you're going to see is your waypoints are going to be on your boulders are going to be off right you'll still be able to cast to the boulder because you're going to see it on your screen but you'll notice your waypoints are all going to be slightly off where they really are yeah and most of the time i shut my waypoints off on the 360 because my other units got the mapping with the gps yeah the waypoints yep yep so it just keeps your 360 screen clear and but if you're balling on a budget and running a single screen, that's a really nice feature. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, you got to do what or what setup you have and what works yeah. for you. Yeah. yeah. Darius, true, but a lot of what we're talking about, right, transfers here. Like uh, the setup, the point one for the Lowrance is the same puck we're talking about for the, mm-hmm. the heading sensor. Like these are all things that apply for Lowrance. So like some of the specific settings and, and the 360, but a lot of this setup stuff and the wiring and all that stuff is, is really universal. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Tom, I would run one home run to your bow and one to your console 10 gauge. You'll be golden and you'll have no issues. Uh, tips. Yeah. I guess Logan, what I was just talking about, like get that directional heading sensor puck and that will make hitting a waypoint spot easy. Like, trust me, I like to flip and I like to fish boat docks, mm-hmm. but I feel really comfortable out deep with that heading sensor because it basically draws a straight arrow out the front of your boat. And on your mapping, you'll know exactly where you are and you put casting rings and you'll have no problem hitting stuff with that mm-hmm. directional sensor. Honestly, I don't know how we hit things. If you can't afford a directional sensor for 200 bucks the next best thing is to set up your favorite spots with two way or multiple waypoints waypoints with the spot you want to hit and then from different directions you would normally come boat waypoints so that you can line up on them correctly and make the cast because if you're just floating around it and you don't have the directional heading sensor your boat is gonna like turn 
and you'll know your distance, but you really won't know exactly where you need to be casting. Mapping helps a little bit, right? By having the mapping up, but it's still, when you're turning, it's still, you're not as precise without that heading sensor. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to put them right over it, but you want to be as close as you can. Um, obviously, you can't put a puck right on the head of your trolling motor, <laughs> uh, right. but you want it up by your feet on the front, and I think you want it as close, you know, I mean, I don't like drilling through the glass, so I try to put it on the carpet deck just inside the gunnel, uh, you know, back by that compartment. And I know on our Phoenixes with the Brados, I tried it in the back, and there's a lot of interference. So yeah. I actually moved it up right behind the seat. Sure. Or so like for me, I know it's a little bit off, but I had to do that. So sure. Yep. So that's one thing too. Make sure if you're doing it, just buy a you can buy a compass or a magnetic deal and see if there's interference where you're going to put sure. that. So or just get some like sticky tape or Velcro and try different places yeah, before yeah. you mount it. That's yeah. 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 Uh, they do show direction, but only with motion if you don't have the heading sensor. Like if you're not moving in a direction, it doesn't know where to point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if the wind blows you back a couple of feet or you're whatever, it can mess it all up. So, yeah. Yeah. but you're fishing the river JJ and all you do is throw a swim jig on a seven thirty four. So this is really not important to you. <laughs> <laughs> do you guys know what the amp requirements for the new systems are or what they suggest? Um, The 7.5 slow Yeah, I'm, you know what? Right off the top of my head, I don't want to even say anything because I don't know for sure. Yeah, I don't want to lead somebody the wrong way. Right. Yeah, JJ, the the heading sensor is your boat. You mount the puck, and it's got an arrow on it. So it depends on how your boat turns. So if your boat turns in the current, or you move the boat, the heading sensor follows it. It has nothing to do with what your trolling motor is doing in front of. So it's independent of the trolling motor. It's just literally drawing a straight line down your boat and putting an arrow on your graph no matter where you're pointed. That's how it works. So if you're on the tip of a wing dam, put this in language you can understand, uh, (laughs) and uh, it will draw a straight line out the front of your boat on your graph, and that's how you can tell where you're casting or where you are in relation to your waypoints or the wing dam or the sand drop or the shell bed that you're trying to hit. So we're kind of caught up on questions. Uh, so this time of year, pre-spawn, what type of stuff, like maybe like we talked a little bit about smallies, a little bit large. We haven't really talked about largies. Um, what, what do you guys like to look for pre-spawn? Let's start with largemouth. Like when you're searching, like is there a depth? Is there a type of structure? How do you dissect a lake? And then what are you scanning for? Well, our season, the way it is, I mean... Assume you're in a place where it's legal. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, outside spawning areas, I mean... Um, I kind of missed the question. My well, phone was pre- going off. Pre-spawn, going out and start search, searching for fish. Large mall. Large mall. Pre-spawn. Um I, I mean, right the the day the ice comes out, there's a flood of fish up in a shallow bay. Yep. That's yep. a real yep. short time yep. period. Yep. 
but then once that's done, then they, you know, they pull back out. Um, mm -hmm. So I don't think they go too far from their spawning areas though. Yeah. You know, um, I, I think if you focus around those spawning flats and those bays. Um, so you're kind of pulling out to the first drop. Yeah. Adjacent yeah. to the spawning. And what type of stuff are you looking for? Like weeds, hard spots, anything that's right, different? Right. I mean, if there's remaining yeah. green cabbage or that stuff's going to warm up fast, things. you know, they want, they want, they want it to be warm just like us. So any leftover weeds or cabbage, that stuff's going to warm up fast from the sun hitting it through the water. Um, Deep wood that's laying off the yeah. shore, not up against the bank, but just, Yep. anywhere that something's different like that. Yep. Um, yeah. It's it's a good mixture of semi-deep to shallow, that whole pre-spawn phase. Do you think there's a good depth like to target or range? Uh, 10 to 12 feet and shallower. Yeah, um, that's what I would say. Small kind of depends. a little bit different, but we can talk about that when we get there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously it depends on the lake. Right. Yeah. Uh, the clarity, the type of lake. Yeah. 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 I mean, our lakes that we fish for large mouth, I mean, yeah, that 12 feet and under. Yeah. 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 Cool. So I guess smallies, how, how do you differ or what's different about, um, yeah, where the gills are. That's also gills and crappies. Like they're not too far behind those fish for sure. Um, right. Okay. So how well, how do you look at smallmouth different pre-spawn than largemouth? Uh, I feel a lot more comfortable with the smallmouth just because we we run to the states where you can fish now, and that's what our time is doing. But yeah, mm -hmm. um, we cover everything. I mean, you can't just go in there thinking, oh, they're going to be at five feet. I mean, we scan stuff out in twenty feet and fifteen feet. I mean, we we check it and look, and it's. It's not a book. You just can't write, you know, say they're going to be on 15 feet when the water is this. Mm -hmm. Like I say, every time we go, it's a little bit different. But You, you always got to sample stuff. Yeah. You got to spend your first couple hours in the morning sampling. And if you get a clue, run with it. If you don't, keep sampling. And you're basically sampling deep, medium, shallow. And all of a sudden, run into them. And that's where electronics for us play such a big part because you're yeah. on the stuff, you're not wasting time. So you can check pretty quick on a spot yeah. to figure out where they're at. But but a lot of our fish, I mean, we might find them at 20 feet on deep scattered rock with a little bit of wood mixed in. Um, it might be more of a gravel patch they're on, it might be wood laying at 12 feet of water. Um, Five yeah, foot or rocks. Else, or else they pull up into the five foot rocks and you pound them because yeah. they're just up there feeding like crazy. How often do you guys seeing smallmouth on your electronics versus just seeing the structure and then fishing for them? Well, I'll tell you one thing: I catch a lot of fish that I don't see on the graph. Yeah. Um, if you're just solely looking at your graph for fish and you don't really fish hard until you see them. I mean, I catch a lot of fish. If you're fishing key spot on the spots mm -hmm. and you're putting yourself where those fish are going to be at some point, yeah, your odds are pretty good. So, yeah. I really feel like that's different up north. Like, 
I feel like in other parts of the country, like the fish can't hide, but I feel like our vegetation and our rocks, like for some reason, them fish tend to get <clears throat> right down on the bottom where you can't pick them out. Like right, you think right. you'd be able to. Yep. Um, and then, so in your guys' experience in lakes, let's say, what water temp do you think smallmouths really start spawning? Spawning, um, a largemouth and smallmouth what I've learned over the years from when I first started, you know, you've read a book, 65 degrees, that's the magic depth, but there's stuff going way before that. And I think a lot of it's the moon and just, mm-hmm. you know, when things hit, but I've seen crazy early fish on beds that I would have never thought. So, you know, back yeah i I would say that 60 degree mark you're starting to see fish really and and with a moon phase yeah especially with a moon phase and the smallmouth that we're chasing where we fish i mean a lot of times it's that first week to second week of may they're starting to get stuff ready and then from mid-may to the end of may Mm -hmm. there's lights out days where fish are up shallow on beds then there's always some trickling after that into June, but yeah, <clears throat> and I think it depends. Shallower lakes, I think it happens faster, and the like they they, yeah. they happen quicker, and they all kind of do it more at the same time. But our lakes that are deeper and have bigger basins, it spreads out. I think you get yeah. more waves because there's fish that don't know it's sixty up there, and <laughs> you know what I mean because yeah. they're just down there chilling. Yeah. Uh, and I think like interesting on the river, I think they can spawn even, or I mean, they'll, they'll spawn in the fifties on the river because to me, the river is water temp, water level and moon phase. If they get two of the three, they're going to probably get it done. <laughs> right, yeah, right. Um, what do you guys think, uh, better in the spring for heat, uh, vegetation or rocks? Hmm. I don't think you can just pick one. I mean, yeah. I've seen days on those smallmouth lakes where they're running the edge of the dead coontail and that, and then the next day out there, it's shallow rocks, and that's what they're on. Hmm. Um, I think the fish are moving a lot, so they're just, I mean, they're just gravitating all over, especially on those lakes down in South Dakota that we fish. It's, yeah. Yeah. They're just up shallow, just covering ground, and enjoying the warmth hmm. yeah them small they like to cruise mm-hmm. when it gets warm mm-hmm. how about uh i don't know techniques like what are your obviously you guys talked about the a-rig earlier what what are some of the other things you guys really like for yeah, pre-spun smallies we throw that a-rig but that's such a little like that's like a two percent of yeah, our that, time fishing yeah it. i don't fish it a lot you know. Um, drop shots, underspins, um, hair little, jigs, little swim baits, little hair jigs, a lot, a lot for smallmouth. Yeah. Um, drop shots, um, that little, little spin with sheer head. Awesome. Yeah. Like the, the sheer screw head. Yeah. That's yeah. got the spinner on it. Yeah. There we go. That's what the hair looks like. Yeah. So we're not talking about like big preacher jigs down south. We're talking about little 
like eighth ounce, three thirty second marabou fighter fly style type jigs. What do you guys think that the hair jig represents to a smallmouth? <laughs> I don't know if it's a leech or a minnow or what they think it is, but I just I think I think you have a cat. You have a cat. Bass cat. Is that cool? <laughs> I think smallmouth are a lot like a cat. You dangle a little feathery toy in front of their face, they it doesn't matter if they're sleeping, they can't resist but swat at it. But like, smallies don't have paws, so they put it in their mouth. They put it in their mouth. Yeah. 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 I just I just think it's I don't I don't know what they think it is, but I just don't think they can resist not putting their mouth on it. Yeah, and I think they don't they're not threatened by it, right? They don't no. there's there's nothing about it like a you know, a big crayfish or a big jig with big claws. They're like, Well, I mean I know that's food. Yeah. But that can bite me back. It could catch me in the gill, right? But like they know that, or they think <laughs> that's not, that's not going to hurt them, right? So they think, well, I can I can go taste it. I can go put it in my mouth. I can eat it. It's not going to hurt me, right? Right. Yeah, I think Tom, easy meal. That's probably the. It doesn't matter what it is, but it's an easy meal. It's a good call, yeah. Tom. Yeah. Uh, you guys throw a lot of like so you said underspins so you throw a lot with the the the, the blade under like versus a single swimmer do you do you experiment or have you seen much where like the underspin versus just the straight swimmer and day to day it changes or are there are there times that you think the underspin excels or situations I, I've seen it excel um, yeah I I just started using it a lot last year and one of my last trips and then I threw that underspin and um, I was throwing a single swimmer and I didn't get I barely got bit and he was killing him on the underspin no this this last trip with this spring okay oh so like a week ago <laughs> yeah. in the last fall I had a day where I had like 25 pounds of smallies on six casts with the underspin like mm -hmm. it was just what they wanted. So we have a lot of stuff on our deck and it's, you fish a spot and it's just rotate those baits. And then when you find the one, those fish are on that day or at that time period, you just, you know, I've seen it too much in my younger days, you know, you throw a drop shot 15 times on a rock, not get bit and then just leave. But we, we mix it up and make sure we cover it with a few different types of lures. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's crazy how many days that, by doing that, you find the one that they're on. So nice. Are we allowed to talk about this? <laughs> the Waze jig. <laughs> Everybody knows already, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> the three-quarter ounce is on my rod, ninety-five or more percent of the time. Um, but I'm fishing it all deep. And I'm fishing for big largemouth. Um, I put a five-inch spark shed on the back, and that combination is actually lights out on our fish. Mm -hmm. Lots of fish, all sizes, and the big fish love it. So, it's I mean, you, I mean you're, you're kind of. I mean, would it say that you're kind of 
throwing it like a deep biffle head almost where you're like bumping it and slow rolling it and swimming it like yeah yeah we mix it up a lot yeah. um, a lot of times they hit it first cast on a spot it's falling to the bottom in 20 feet it doesn't even get to the bottom and funk and big fish and then next cast that might hit the bottom and the second it hits the bottom you get one third cast that might hit the bottom nothing bites you drag it about two feet and kill it mm-hmm. a bit i mean mix up the retrieve but um it's it, they just hammer that thing so once we clean them up with that then we pull up the finesse stuff and you know pick off more fish so so that's like your primary and you get like the easy hungry ones and then you come back and clean them up with like meds and drop shots is that kind of your yeah because I, li- I like doing that big jig first cast and a lot of times the biggest fish on the spot hammers that thing and i love hammering a five pounder on a big jig and just boat flipping that thing and not, <laughs> not playing around um but yeah we always start big and then just size down yeah so just for those that aren't familiar with the Uwazi swimmer mega bass it's basically i mean they've got them in all sizes right they have like light ones <clears throat> you're talking about the five eighths and three outs are kind of your go-to um but it's basically a swim jig with an underspin built yeah. into it um anything to touch on else that's unique about it um that, that long shank hook is everything that's a with huge that, everything with that jig because you slide a big five inch spark shad on it and it's mm-hmm. the perfect size and it sticks it's, back just enough yep yep I will say the one, if I had to pick one negative on that jig, I don't throw it up shallow where there's a lot of wood. Mm-hmm. That little weed guard, I don't know what it is, but I can throw a regular swim jig all day and not get hung up. And But this one, I stick it all the time. So for me, it's my deep water jig or open water. Yeah. Um, Seems like they're mostly in stock for those that are interested. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Is there any, yeah. any particular colors you guys like? If you pick the gripen color with a five-inch green pumpkin spark shad, it is absolutely – that's my killer combo. Yeah. Okay. And I, I like that IU you were just on, that first one. This one? Yeah. That that's your two colors, those two. Favorite. Yeah. I just cut about a three-quarters inch – Three quarter of an inch off the front of the spark shad, then just glue it on there. And um, they actually have like thick mono or um, fluorocarbon strands super glued to that hook shank. So mm-hmm. you slide your spark shad up and super glue it. It's stuck. I mean, it will not come off of there. You can kind of see it there. Look, you can see it right there. See yep. it? Hook keeper, yep. Yeah. And bait keeper. That's why it costs twelve dollars because we gotta pay people to put those on there. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you, Sean, for the super chat. Awesome. Glad to uh, keep bringing you good guests. Appreciate you tuning in. That's awesome. Uh, yep, Pete. I don't know if you've just been lurking and haven't said anything, or you just rolled in, Pete. But good to see you, buddy. Do you guys find largemouth still use deep cover on our big lakes that have lots of other predators, pike, muskie, walleye, like vermilion and leech? If they're if they're big largemouth, yes. 
um, we catch yeah. deep largemouth on our lakes up here, and there's a lot of them have muskie in or big pike. Um, but I, I, I agree, they're, they're definitely not as prevalent as a lake without muskie, you know. Um, yes, I mean, the smallmouth seem less bothered by the muskies than the largemouth, I think. Um, cause like, I don't see any difference. Like on leech, the smallmouth are still offshore on vermilion, the smallmouth, you find them from a foot yep. down to whatever. Um, but like on a lake, like leech, I know there are some fish caught offshore largemouth, but it sure seems like the major concentration of the fish are in the emergent vegetation in less than four feet of water. Um, right. Lakes like that, that have miles and miles and miles of just beautiful vegetation. The large mouth have no reason to leave it. They really don't. And the muskies don't tend to go in there, I don't think. No, no. So I think it's kind of a happy, it's not that, I don't know if it's just like, they just maybe, I don't know if they're afraid of the muskies as much as they just avoid the competition. Maybe that's, is that, I don't know. Because we have a lot of lakes around home too, where you, you scan around out deep and you find these beautiful rock piles. There should be large mouth on them. There's bluegills out there. But there's so much beautiful shallow water on those lakes that the largemouth never leave at the shallows. Yeah. They just they yeah. just I think I think part of it is the predator and I think part of it is when they have such an abundance of other options, that's yeah. it's kind of a double. Um so obviously besides uh the, the swim jig, what other heads do you guys like for spark sheds? Um that J Will head is a perfect one. Okay. Not as two jigs I have on. I have a J wheel because there's no skirt. And there's days where they want just the jig head and the spark shed without a skirt. Mm-hmm. I always have those two on there. And then there's days where they want that skirted one. So mm-hmm. same thing. I get a bite or two on the one. That's all I'm throwing until they stop biting it. Right. And Outcast is making that that chicken head. Sure. Yeah. And that's a perfect that's match a perfect for that. Thing. Yeah. And the J Will is a what is that company that makes that? Uh, Buckeye Lures, I believe. Buckeye, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you believe in a general rule most large will stay close to the deep weed edge in natural lakes? It really depends on the lake, I think. I don't Yeah, yeah. It, it does. We have so many lakes and there's so many that over the fifteen years, I mean, they just I don't know. Some lakes are good. Some lakes aren't for that stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We have our deep lakes we run in the summer. You know, your five or six lakes where you go and just pound fish out deep. And there's 50 other lakes within 30 minutes of where we live. But we don't fish those because they're not out like that. Oh, I think he's saying, like, they don't. I think what Bo is just saying, they don't go out. They don't get out way out past oh. the edge. See, yeah, uh, oh. I... There's certain that we fish, and you'd pound them on those weed edges with rock, and all of a sudden you have you have club tournaments and team tournaments going to these lakes and keep pounding on these fish, and I've seen those fish go deeper and deeper from that pressure. So you're catching them out on you know bare sand and bare rock with no weeds in sight. Um, yeah, we on spots where you've never you that you've never caught them before. And like I think how, when you when you say way out, like are you saying like 
like actually deeper or just further away from the grass edge? Like both. Both. But like, is it like a couple feet deep? I mean, like, how deep are you finding largemouth in your area? Uh, one lake I fished 24 feet. Yeah. Um, I've talked to a lot of guys around here. I mean, they just don't fish that deep on a lot of our yeah. lakes. I mean, I've never had to, but there's yeah. a couple that that's it's good out there. And there's no weeds. I mean, there there's not weeds for half a mile on some of that stuff. So, mm-hmm. well, well, so when, on the lake that's like you're catching them 24, where does the weed? What depth of the weed stop at? Mm, 10? 10-ish, ten ish, okay. ten twelve feet maybe. Sure. No deeper than that. Yeah. So it's, a, it's got some color to it. That lake. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but you don't definitely in Minnesota you don't hear about. Boy, 25 feet is about the deep, as I've heard, people, like, consistently catching fish. Yep, I agree. Yep. Yeah, and, it, and it's, it's not all the lakes. No, and it's kind of surprising because I I feel like we've gotten to that point now that that's where we're catching them. And I don't know if it's because we're getting better and we're finding them out there or if we're pushing them that deep. You yeah. Know? Yeah, and I think it's, it's definitely getting out of our comfort zone. It's fine. It, I think there's a lot of things, right? Fish moving because of pressure. It's yeah. having better tools um, yeah. to find them, right? Uh, being forced to go and find those fish. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot of contributing factors. I mean, 30 years ago, those fish probably never even thought about going out there because they didn't need to. Because <laughs> right. nobody, was, nobody was even bothering them in 12 feet. Right. Uh, right. But yeah, I do hear you hear about things like Lake George out in New York, and they're catching bass in eighty feet of water. And you hear about yeah. you know, catching largemouth in California in forty feet or uh, forty feet down over eighty feet. And like we just don't we don't have those scenarios. I mean, we get no. smallmouth in some of those scenarios, like on Pokegama, and like you know some smallmouth we'll see that right. Well, they'll suspend yeah. uh, twenty so feet down. Guys probably laugh that we're calling twenty feet deep. Yeah. <laughs> But but for our area, for that's our deep. area, that's deep. Yeah, yeah. I would say of the ten thousand lakes we have, there's probably two thousand of them that probably aren't more than twenty feet deep. <laughs> maybe more. I don't know. Like yeah. maybe, maybe there's four thousand of them that aren't even twenty feet deep. I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah. Interesting stuff. Cool. I don't know. Anything else you guys want to touch on? Uh, definitely. If you guys got more questions, we'll try to run through some in the next, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes. Uh, but uh, are there anything else you guys want to talk about or anything you guys are exciting about? Are you guys only doing content? Are you fishing any tournaments this year? What What is it kind of your schedule this year? What are you guys um, doing? I'm going to fish the Sturgeon Bay Open in like three weeks, four weeks. I think it's only like three weeks away. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's quick. coming fast. That's coming fast. Um, yeah, me and Connor O'Connor, we fish that. Um, then the sum, the season's pretty much open. So, on fishing, yeah. Um, so, we're gonna start filming some of that stuff pretty quick here. Yeah. Um, jump in a couple smaller events when we want to, but. I don't know. We we enjoy doing the video and the content, yeah. and that's kind of what's driving me right now. So yeah. we really enjoy searching out new lakes and shooting video, especially when you find those crazy bites. So here's what I think we need to do. We need to 
We need to take the Omnia Lake Finder. <laughs> we need to draw a line between where you live and where I live. Right? I'm over here and you're way up. Way up there. So you're like here, right? Yep. And I'm here. We need to figure out like if there's anything, some new, we got to like meet up for a weekend and like somewhere in here. <laughs> around that, there's a lot of good water around that Wilmer area. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. How for far sure. is that for you? Uh, probably two and a half hours, two yeah, hours. Same for us. So yeah. that'd be cool. I'd be, I'd be game for that. Yeah. But for those that haven't checked this out, like this is actually not not just in Minnesota, but like wherever you live, now there's a lot more dots and a lot more reports close to home. Mm-hmm. But uh, you can use this feature to, you know, find lakes where you live. Let's see here. Like, uh, right, Sean, you live close to Chicago. So I don't know what this is, but like you can go see what this little puddle, Braidwood Power Plant Cooling Pond. And you can go see the details and see if there's fishing reports on these types of places all over the country. So if you guys have never checked out the Omnia fishing page, or the, and, and you might find some nuggets and things, maybe it's the lakes that you've never checked out. So you guys, you guys put out reports on the lakes you fish? Uh, I think I put five or six on there so far. Some, some of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Usually the ones I don't quite fish a ton. You know, I don't want to give away too much, so. Yeah, that's true. Detroit Lakes, honestly, like, up where these guys live, I mean, they are definitely skilled fishermen, and they're tapping into some fish that other people, but, like, there is a ton of unpressured, really good fishing uh, up where they live. So they are definitely, um, you know. Oh, their cup overfloweth with opportunities up where they live. <laughs> yep, yep. Lots of options. Yep. Yeah, that, I mean, I, I, uh, I'm excited. I got a derby coming up on Sunday, so that'll be my first tournament of the year out of Wabasha. So hopefully some smallies, hopefully some largies, probably Good. still pre-spawn. Good. I'm still waiting for my sea deck to show up for my boat, so I can't even use it yet, so... You could just throw down some like green outdoor carpet for just That's like idea. just just right. velcro some down, just yeah. some duct tape some some uh, yeah, outdoor green cutting green carpet and just let yeah. it rip tater chip. <laughs> I would, but man, I spent a lot of hours getting that thing cleaned up and ready to put the deck down, so I don't want to go through all that again. <laughs> we'll take his boat with green carpet this weekend. Nice. <laughs> So what are they going to be doing on Sunday? You think? Um, I think I'm a little, I'm a little torn. Obviously, I'm going to get out and practice on Saturday to dial it in, spend a full day down there. I think it's going to still be mostly pre-spawn, but I wouldn't be surprised if some of the smallies are getting the itch because there's a full moon on Monday. So the smallies, I think, will go a little quicker, and they won't care as much about water temp because the water has been very stable. Right. And I think they're going to there's probably be some smallies pushing out, even though we probably won't be able to see them anywhere, but I think there'll be some smallies uh, spawning or pretty darn close uh, this weekend. So I'll be kind of in practice, jumping back and forth, uh, sampling uh, probably slack water, largemouth or 
looking for current just outside of those areas to see if there's like wads of them piled up and uh and then trying to see if i can find some smallies at the same time mm-hmm. folks says good luck on the derb uh bring your butt to texas while i'm here <laughs> yeah I should have done that a while ago because now things are about to pop off here. So there's not as much. And actually my dad winters or he actually lives in Z- on Zapata and he just came home. Um, but it's kind of a weird year. Like I really, it was like, do I really want to, I mean, I had extra time to travel, but should you be traveling? It was kind of a really weird year for that whole dynamic. And I don't know. I think I've made a decision that I need to go to Texas every yeah. year, every spring for a week. <laughs> So we're going to start doing that. Nice. Yeah. I think going forward after this year, I think I will probably start to do a little more traveling and try to do some more winter trips. Um, so if you guys, we talked about this earlier, these guys do some content, uh, Bass Pro Outdoors. Um, and you can see they do quite a bit just by the thumbnails, right? You can see there's a fair amount of uh, 360 content. So if you guys, Got a 360. If you're thinking about a 360, if you have hummingbirds, there's a lot of good stuff uh, to, to tap into, and you'll probably learn some stuff even beyond what we talked about uh, today. So, if you know, and even the other things like no matter what you run, they do a lot of stuff about talking about interpreting sonar, right? And side imaging, and whether that's structure scan or side imaging. I think looking at those images and what they're talking about, you're going to learn regardless. So they definitely use Hummingbird, but I still think most of the stuff when it comes to electronics is kind of, uh, it it crosses all boundaries of brands. I mean, most of it to, for the most part, obviously 360 is specific, but um, a lot of the other stuff really transfers. No, and we've helped a lot of friends with installs on garments and, Lorances and stuff, and I mean, it's all. Everybody's running awesome stuff nowadays. Yeah, yeah. that's the thing is like it's really comes down to like what you're comfortable with. Like it's you know, Chevys, Dodges, I mean, right. or they all make good trucks. It's just kind of your personal preference, what you like, what you can get a deal on, what you're comfortable with. Yep. Uh, there are some things that Lorance does better. Hummingbird, I think, has a simpler interface. Right, it's a little more user friendly. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know it. it you can be competitive with any of them, honestly. And like I said, you don't, a lot of this front facing stuff is, you know, if you want to fish at a really high level in tournaments, it's going to be hard not to have a 360 or a live scope of some kind mm-hmm. if you're going to fish for big money. But honestly, it's not required either. There's still a lot of fish to be had. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, like I said, I almost made it to the Bassmaster Classic last year with the 958 on the front of my boat. So. <laughs> <laughs> And if you would have had a different one, you might have made it. No kidding. Maybe. <laughs> or I might have just got distracted and confused. I don't know. Uh, yeah, that would be a good takeaway. <laughs> today. If you don't have a heading sensor, whether it's a hummingbird or a point one for Lorance, and you like to fish offshore, go spend that 150 200 bucks on that GPS puck. Yeah. And that will probably be like dollar spent ROI. Uh, you won't you won't be pissed and you won't be mad that you spent it. I promise that. Mm-hmm. Well, All right. 
Cool. It seems like we kind of hit a stopping point. Yeah. Uh, I think it, most people got their questions answered. We caught, uh, we, we talked about a lot of great stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, check out their channel if you want to learn more. Uh, if you guys came late, you want to hear the replay, uh, the replay will be up. You can also listen to the podcast version, which is just search Hellabass in your podcast app. And you can hear everything we talked about and uh, see what else we cover. Make sure you guys check out Arsenal Fishing uh, for supporting the stream. Uh, I want to thank you guys for coming on, Casey and Lyle. And uh, as always, if you guys want to help learn to catch more big bass and suck less, this is the spot. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Thank appreciate you. it. Good luck on Sunday. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. As always, thanks to all of you that hung in till the end of this podcast. This has been another episode of Hellabass Bass Fishing Podcast Experience. Please consider sharing this with any of your bass and buddies and friends. This is the best way for podcasts to grow is through word of mouth. Also, don't forget to search Hellabass on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, or just about anywhere else so that we can connect in more ways. As always, here to help you catch more bass and suck less.